Hello, and welcome to the Performance Marketing Spotlight. I'm your host, Marshall Nyman, founder and CEO of Nyman Co. Each episode, the podcast brings you someone with deep experience in the performance marketing space, where they highlight their experiences within the industry. Today, I have Adam Weiss, who is founder of Weiss Digital Consulting. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Hey, Marshall. Thanks for having me. Of course. Appreciate you joining. Very excited to have you on. Let's get right to it. Let's do it. Would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience so they could get to know you a bit. Well, uh, my name's Adam, like you said. I have uh, I've been in the uh, digital space for over 20 years. Um, early in my career, worked at 24-7 Media. I worked at About.com, which is now, I guess, Dot Dash, um, but this was way, way back in the day. And then in 2003, I, uh, I landed at a, a company called Linkshare. And uh, all the old school folks will definitely remember that, um, which then became, you know, was acquired by Rakuten, various iterations of the business. So all that to say, been in the uh, digital and affiliate space for a while. And uh, after after my time at Rakuten, I uh, started what I'm doing now, which is uh, consulting in the affiliate space. Awesome. So how did you get started in the performance marketing space? Good question. You know, I think performance marketing could probably be defined very broadly, right? Early in my career, it is relevant, even though it was a very long time ago. You know, when I was at 24-7, a lot of what we did there, and again, very early days, but it was uh, what I would characterize as CPM-based advertising. And then when I was at About.com, the product I worked on there, which was called Sprinks, no longer exists, but um, that was more CPC-based advertising, again, in its infancy. And so when I, when I left About, I was kind of thinking about what's next for me and... I guess everyone could guess where this is going, but you know, CPM, CPC, CPA, at least that's the way I had kind of thought about it. And this opportunity opened up again at, at Linkshare. And uh, it's sort of, that's just when uh, the snowball started rolling downhill and I sort of got really heavily involved. I took a, a real interest in the distribution side of the business. I really liked the company. I liked the people that I was working with. And I think when you kind of have that, simply put, when you have that interest in the business, you know, that sort of sort of really gets you going. And that's become my thing, I guess, as as yourself and most people in the space can probably attest to as well. So yes, that's how I got started was simply just applying for a job at Linkshare. And uh, the rest was history, as they say. I think you're a rare bird. Most people like I knew somebody, my friend forced me to get in, involved in the industry. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think very few people say I applied for a job and got it. So that that's pretty impressive. Well, I'm old school. I was almost, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I will. I think, don't quote me on this, but I, I think I actually saw an ad on Craigslist for the job if I'm dating if I'm myself. I um, remember looking on Craigslist for jobs back in the day. <laughs> and well, I probably look, definitely gave my worked. personal information out and I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it all worked out. Uh, it all worked out in the end, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's it's funny, you know. You say CPC and, and CPM, and uh, I think those were like things that kind of went out the door, and now they're starting to come back. I see a lot of publishers starting to look at doing things on those as uh, CPC and CPM basis. So even those are some of the old school techniques. It's it's uh, interesting to see them kind of coming back. Yeah, well, I think it's just about diversification at the end of the day for the publishers in terms of you know the types of advertisers they work with and ultimately what those economics look like. Yeah, I think with those models, it kind of shifts 
all of the risk from just the publisher to kind of balancing it out between the two sides, which I think is is nice. So yeah, so you're, so you're at Rakuten Linkshare for, for 14 years. You've probably really seen that the company change in a lot of different iterations. Uh, what different types of roles were you in while you were there? Yeah. So, so yeah, like I said, I was there for a little over 14 years and I sort of put my career there in maybe three chapters. Um, you know, I, I started, I think I mentioned on the publisher side of the business, publisher account management, ground floor, sort of understanding who our partners were, what they needed, and then internally putting some sort of operational structure around it as well. And I had a lot of great mentors and managers and leaders there that sort of helped as we sort of shaped that part of the business. And it was, you know, it was, a, it was a small team, frankly. And it's sort of, I think, um, you know, fast forward to today, it's sort of what helped to start to shine a light for me that there was, you know, a need for strategic help for, for publishers in, in different ways and shapes and forms, but it was a small team compared to the advertiser side of the business. And we built that team up, you know, from on the account management side, business development, and even the support side and network quality and strategic partnerships. So it was a good, a good run there. And that was kind of the first part of it. And then sort of the second chapter, you know, I think, you know, had like some really long title, which I can't even remember. Sometimes I always joke that I never got like a new job. I got an additional job at the company, but I was always sort of tied to the publisher side. But then um, I was fortunate to, to start to get a little bit more involved in some strategic partnerships and helping shape the, the roadmap of the business, um, you know, from, from a, a product strategy perspective, as well as even sort of, in some cases, uh, being involved on in some of the, uh, the M&A stuff that was going on either on the peripheral or getting a little bit more involved as it, what it would mean for the business. Um, and that was really interesting. And then the third sort of chapter was as the, you know, the, the GM SVP of, of the affiliate PNL. So, you know, at that point, I guess I had probably been there for maybe it was 10 years at that point. And we were not, we were no longer this just, you know, affiliate business. There was a lot more to it with, you know, display and search and attribution, et cetera. So we sort of had multiple PLs and I was fortunate enough to be asked uh, to run the, the North American uh, affiliate business, which was, you know, everything soup to nuts. And so that was sort of the next, I'm going to guess about four years uh, of my time there. Awesome. So you really kind of got to see everything. Nice bird's eye view. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it was it was definitely I have uh, I hold that place in high regard. You know, the people, the company. My time there was great. I feel like it really that's where I grew up. You know, from a career perspective, <laughs> that's definitely where I I grew up. I learned a ton. Met a lot of great great people in and out of uh, the company, and it, I was you know I was given a lot of opportunities there that I think helped sort of shape, uh, you know, ultimately where I, where I am today. Awesome. Yeah. You know, you're, you're basically, we're talking about doing publisher development in the early days and, you know, thinking about what publishers looked like back then versus what they look like now, it's really changed a lot. You know, it was really only a few types and now there's so many different types of publishers. What have you seen change as far as publishers from them to now? It's a good question. I think, well, first of all, you know, we just, back then it was like, I, I hate, the kind of term the wild west but it sort of was like just <laughs> figuring out what was going on who was who how are they making money how do they drive traffic like all those types of things um and i think with that you know there was a lot of learnings um and i think the publishers themselves were figuring it out as well 
right? So when you ask about kind of what's changed, I think the, the publishers and how they operate, uh, the publishers, how they drive traffic has changed, you know, the sophistication on their side has changed as well as the networks and platforms when it comes to tracking and attribution. But I think in general, um, I, I do feel like there's been a real maturity uh, in the market as a whole. And I think a lot of the, that has come through the growth on the publisher side of the business and the sort of um, the, the businesses that they have. I, I personally feel in a lot of cases, what changes is how consumers shop online driven by the innovation that we've seen over the last 20 something years from a publisher perspective. So I think the big change is that, you know, that idea of, you know, I get cash back, I could find a coupon, here's a tool to help me, whatever, save a product and, you know, track the price and stuff like that. I think the publishers have really drove the innovation on the e-commerce side of things and ultimately how people are shopping online, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I think innovation is a good way to put it. I think the other thing is, you know, there's a lot more transparency now. I think yes. back in the day, you know, when you say Wild West, you just didn't sometimes understand like what the traffic was or where it was coming from. I think now with the networks maturing and uh, publishers being a little bit more transparent, it's easier to understand some of those things. And so you can make better decisions where, you know, you, you sometimes weren't sure you kind of took a little bit more risk maybe because things weren't as clear. Yeah, people were experimenting. It was still, you know, the early days. And I mean, you need, you didn't even have traffic from social and things like that, you know? Uh, so that's changed. And we're seeing another shift sort of happening right now in terms of, you know, how Google, you know, is constantly changing how results show on their page and the inventory that's available. And, you know, everyone talking about artificial intelligence and what that's going to mean for results and consumers finding information. So there's always been sort of this, it's just an ongoing evolution at the end of the day. Definitely. So after working at uh, Rakuten Linkshare for, for almost 14 years, you, know, you made a little bit of a pivot and then eventually you started your own business. Would love to hear a little bit about your own self and what you've been doing. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I, I left Rakuten a little bit of a stint at a, at a startup. And then, but what I, what I really, um, like I was saying earlier, what I always sort of saw in the space was there's a lot of great resources out there helping the advertiser side of the business, right? But, you know, if you're a publisher and you need some strategic help, and there's multiple ways to sort of look at it, sort of who do you call, right? And I, you know, throughout my career would always kind of have these conversations with folks and who are trying to figure things out, whether it's getting into the affiliate market, you know, maturation in the market and what are the things they need to do? Who do we, who do we reach out to from a partnership development standpoint, et cetera, et cetera. And on top of everything, typically, if you're an advertiser, you have your network that you work on and your agency that you work with. And it's sort of this one view into the affiliate, into your, your affiliate program. If you're a publisher, it's extremely fragmented, right? <laughs> and so that sort of led me to where I am today, which is being able to help publishers in a few different ways, which is, you know, strategically, and that can mean a lot of different things, but you know, what does the market look like in the competitive landscape and what's the opportunity for them? And, you know, what should an organization look like all these things? Um, and that's a little more hands-on, or it could be, you know, some type of coaching around the industry, um, you know, you and I can talk about it and we probably, we could, we could use all the, you know, the inside baseball terms, 
but if you're coming from the outside in, it's, it could be confusing for folks. Um, it could be very confusing. Um, and so I sort of think it can help reduce some of that friction. And then there's just, you know, there's, there's advisory stuff I do for them and, and partnership development in some cases as well. Um, hopefully removing some friction and kind of accelerating a path to, uh, to revenue. Um, and then, you know, depending what their needs are as well. Um, you know, best thing I could do really for a publisher is, is listen and hear what they, they need. And if it's something I think I could help with, I'm always more than happy to explore that as well. Awesome. What what does an ideal publisher look like for you to work with? I wish I had that answer. <laughs> like I said, you know, there's varying sort of engagements that that you know I'll have with them, and sometimes they're brand new. And like I said, sort of removing the friction and the ramp time into the market. And sometimes they're they're more mature, but they have specific strategic objectives that they're trying to accomplish, and you know they come to me to help. So I have thought about that. It's a good question. <laughs> I'd struggle with it, but I think it really depends, you know, where a publisher is at in the life cycle sort of drives like where it could help as well. So I'm cognizant of, are we just starting up or have we been around for 15 or 20 years? Makes sense. What were some of the major hurdles that you experienced with starting your own business? That's a big question. I'm going to ask you that, you know, it's, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's like just starting, like you just got to sort of rip off the bandaid and just start. I think from a subject matter expertise perspective, like I think I like to think I know what I'm talking about so I could get out there and start doing things for for clients. But, you know, you got to do biz dev and you got to set things up operationally, you know, all the back end stuff, everything from setting up, you know, your your email to, you know, all the, the back office stuff, you know, legal and accounting and all that stuff. Not that it's a huge burden, but when you've never done it before, you know, you're sort of, uh, what's the, uh, the expression, you know, sort of building the plane as you're, as you're flying it, you know? Yep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 again, I mentioned this earlier, I'm fortunate. I have a lot of great people that I've worked with over, uh, over my career and who've been around to give me guidance and advice and, you know, I remember talking to my friend Melissa and she was just like, just start, just, just start, just get going. Don't worry about the website. Don't worry about anything else. Just start. And I sort of just took that and dove in and, you know, you gotta, you gotta also over time learn how to balance all that stuff as well. Right. Cause you're really, you know, for me, I'm a, a one man shop. And so doing everything from that back office stuff, business development, going to conferences, you know, sales, you know, and, uh, and then most importantly, the actual projects and, you know, things I do for clients and, and, you know, making sure that those are done, you know, according to plan and all that stuff. So it's just, it's a, it's an ongoing balancing act. Um, but over time, you, know, you start to learn and get better. And now people reach out to me and they're like, I'm thinking of starting and I'm like, I want to help because I know kind of, I I've already kind of had those pitfalls and made mistakes and I'm going to help you avoid it. You know, and I'm sure you experienced the same thing, right? Yep. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here laughing with a big smile on my face because <laughs> I think that's probably exactly how I would have answered the question. So yes, I think 
get started right away. And that's that's the approach that I took. But I didn't realize that I was getting started right away. I just took some uh, consulting work as a side project for something that needed a little bit of help. And I worked on that business for a while. And um, another one came my way. And I just kind of worked on one or two. And I just kind of never thought about should I have a business name? You know, it was just Marshall Nyman consulting at the time. And like, you know, what, what should I be doing? And it just kind of just, just happened in the background. And then I kind of like, okay, I have something to build. So yeah, I think if you do want to be an entrepreneur, you do want to start your own business, just get started, you know, and nothing's going to ever be perfect. You're always going to be updating your website. You're always going to be rebranding. You're always going to be figuring out all these things. And I think being an entrepreneur, there's so many things you don't know, but you have to learn. Like you don't have a choice. Like, so all those things you're talking about, like, yeah, maybe I'm not a finance expert or I'm not, I don't know that much about HR, but you know, I'm in charge of that for the company. And so I need to become an expert on that. So there's definitely a lot of learning. And, you know, I saw my wife this week and everybody wants to be an entrepreneur until they have to be an entrepreneur. And so (laughs) so many things that you have to deal with, you know, and the people side of the thing, you're not dealing with that yet, but that that's a, that's a really big piece as well, being an entrepreneur and kind of figuring the right people and then having the right staff. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of challenges with, with starting your own business. There's, that's why I asked you the question. Cause I knew there was, there was no shortage of answers there. <laughs> totally. Totally. And also, you know, I I'll say also two things, you know, I, one, I also made it the point though, like very early on, I, uh, I reached out to a ton of people that I, I knew, for feedback, which someone uh, someone had uh, kind of ter- the, the term they used was I, I was on the listening tour, which I like that expression because I was calling people and saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or what problems do you have that need to be solved? And I think that sort of was really helpful um, because one, it was feedback for me and I would start thinking about structuring one of them. Um, and two, a lot of times you talk to them and it's like an introduction to somebody else, the dominoes start falling, you know. And then the second thing, um, I was talking to to my friend Jesse uh, Jesse Lakes. He runs a business called Genius Link, and I forget how it came up, but we we're talking about some of the back office stuff. And he was just like, "Hire the experts. Just hire the experts to do it." Because I found myself getting wrapped up in trying to figure it all out by myself and do it all myself. And he was like, "Find the experts. Let them do it. You focus on what you're good at." And that was great, great advice. I think that's always good advice. Focus on yeah. what you're best at. And I think that's just kind of like how delegation should work. You know, you, you let the stuff that's most important that you need to focus on, you know, that should be the top of your list. And then the stuff that's falling to the bottom of the list, just start pushing that off to other people because it's low value and somebody else can probably do it. So I think for everybody, it's just kind of figuring out what, what can I take off my plate and then how can I do it effectively? <laughs> yeah, never who's doing that. things like us who are, who are experts in other areas, functional areas that you know you could go to and say, listen, can you take care of this, whatever it might be? Yeah, but I think another good piece of advice and you kind of touch on it was the networking side of things. Like if you want to be an effective business owner, entrepreneur, CEO, you have to network with other people and you have to talk to as many people because everybody's going through the same thing. So the more people you can hear say one thing or the other, the more it's going to help you kind of decide like what you should do. And, you know, like ultimately for me to go out, it, it, it took everybody else. Like I was on the listening tour too. I asked everybody else, what should I do? And I was the one that said, eh, maybe I shouldn't go do it. And everybody was like, no, you got to go do it. You got to go do it. And after I got off the phone with about 10 of people, I was like, well, everybody said the same thing. And I thought I was going to get like some mixed answers and it would be hard for me to make a decision. So, you know, you got to have those people that are, you know, a good sounding board to, to help you uh, go in the right direction. Because sometimes, you know, you think something might be right, but, you know, your your, your brain kind of clouds things and you don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, it's usually, you know, if you trust your gut, you're usually moving in the right direction. But it's good to get validation from people that you trust and who have different perspectives as well. And I found that to be really helpful. 
So just to, to shift a little bit now, we'll talk about maybe some challenges the the industry is facing. What do, what do you see? I know AI is a hot topic now, but what are some challenges that you see affiliate marketing currently facing? I think, you know, listen, I think at the end of the day, I think they're, the industry is in a really good place, you know, as we we're talking about earlier, just from an evolution perspective, it's maturing, there's, you know, more focus on it, more investment, et cetera. I think some of the challenges, it's nothing new. I don't think I'm going to, you know, say anything like, you know, totally um, off the rails, but look, we're, we're always trying to solve things like attribution. And I think attribution is uh, something that is uh, determined uh, it's, it's specific in meaning how particular brands or advertisers look at their budgets and how they measure things, right? So I don't know if it's binary, meaning across the industry. So everyone's going to have sort of a different view of that. And that can make it a little bit confusing for publishers. So I think that in and of itself then creates some fragmentation, right? And how to manage programs at scale, um, looking at it from the publisher side and sort of solving for some of those things. So I think we, we definitely do have, you know, there's definitely that kind of fragmentation uh, in the market for publishers, like we touched on earlier, and sort of balancing, you know, what is the best opportunity for me uh, from a partnership perspective, what it means for my customers, and from an economic standpoint as well, because most most folks are in this to to drive revenue. Um, and I think, like I was saying earlier, actually, I think you know, I don't think graphic generation is a challenge. I think there's a lot of it out there and publishers doing a good job with their newsletters and social followings, et cetera. But I do think um, publishers need to, or will need to start thinking a little bit more about brand building over time um, and investments there. I think we're seeing some of that already with some of the larger publishers who you, know, you see, you know, advertising more broadly on you know, TV and radio and all that stuff. But I do think, you know, you have uh, limited sort of attention from consumers, it's going to become even more and more important in terms of how we strategically think about kind of generating traffic to a site from a publisher perspective as well. Yeah, I think for me, attribution and tracking usually are the, the top thing of uh, things that the industry needs to, to kind of do a little bit better. Um, there's definitely some challenges there. Um, and then last question that I have for you is, any predictions on, on the future of performance marketing and maybe where things potentially are headed? Um, yeah, I mean, I keep making big, big, big <laughs> predictions. Here's what I'll say. I think um, the industry always perseveres, right? There's ups and downs, there's hiccups, there's challenges, there's, there's you know, lots of good stuff that happens. It's a, the industry perseveres. I think that's a good thing. I think publishers will continue to innovate. And that to me is sort of the driving force of the space. I'm biased from the, the seat I sit in today. Um, and I also think we'll see technology evolve and that technology could be, like you said, you know, ongoing refinement of tracking and attribution and reporting around that. The tools that exist to make it easier to work in the ecosystem as well and also the technology perspective just some of the things that the publishers themselves are building as i was mentioning earlier how they think about creating a better experience for the consumer so i, I think we'll continue to see innovation there and that will drive you know more distribution coming online so i think you know at the end of the day if we think about affiliate as more of a platform by which partnerships can be built on 
it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for the industry over the next few years. For sure. And I think just, you know, it's it's not like a new tactic. It might be like for digital, maybe it's, you know, like a 20 or so year old tactic, but, you know, affiliate marketing has been around forever. It's not like a, a new channel. So I think, you know, another thing they touch on is, you know, the industry is maturing. And so like, as we see it mature, you know, we be, become better at a lot of these things that maybe, you know, we weren't able to handle when it was the wild west, you know, when everybody got started back in the day. So it's, it's really great to kind of see how things have evolved and where things are going. And really, I think, you know, the space is in a great place and, it seems like it's only going to continue to grow. No, totally agree, man. Um, totally agree with you. I think we're, we're in a good place. Um, I think there's a ton of opportunity. And I think as sort of the infrastructure, like you said, of the industry sort of evolves, so will the ability to kind of be more strategic about the partnerships we make and be more creative around some of those partnerships as well. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good note to to call it. Um, big thank you to Adam from Weiss Digital Consulting for joining the podcast this week. Some really great insights. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Good question. I mean, go to my website. I'm on LinkedIn. My email is just adam at weissdigitalconsulting.com. I know it's a mouthful. I'll work on that at some point. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, those are those are probably the easiest ways to get in touch with me. I'm also you know, I'm on the, uh, the MarTech Slack channel. Um, so find me in a lot of places. Awesome. Appreciate it. Again, thank you to Adam. I'm Marshall Nyman, host of the Performance Marketing Spotlight, signing off. Thank you for joining us and give a like or follow if you've enjoyed this content. Have a great one. Thank you.